0: in one lifetime.
1: I'm Margaret Pothig and this is Keeping Dad Alive. In this episode, my father Richard talks to his daughter and my sister Erica about the connection between where he came from and where she is today. Erica is leading the Biden-Harris transition team for the US Department of Housing and Urban Development.
0: So you never forget these things and you have to work for them and you can put your life into them. You have particularly chosen a vocation to bring change in the housing policy of this country. From the tenements of New York (laughs) to the housing policy of the American government.
1: My dad's feelings go beyond parental pride. They're also about housing as a justice issue for the people who lived in the tenements of Manhattan, where his mother was born and contracted tuberculosis, and where he survived a tenement fire at age five, to the squatter areas in the Philippines and the communities in the Midwest devastated by steel plant closings. At 95, dad is reviewing his life's mission and its origins.
0: I began to get politically oriented because I saw the things happening around me, people being thrown out of their houses because they couldn't pay the rent, And I worried myself, I said, well, what will happen if we can't pay our rent? Will we be on the street also? That was in my head as a youngster. My whole life has been directed to justice for people, making sure they have housing, making sure they have medical care, making sure their kids get to school, giving them a chance in life.
1: On that day when Pennsylvania was called for Joe Biden in the 2020 U.S. presidential election, Erica and her family drove up to Philadelphia. We met at a German restaurant with doors wide open to the street.
0: All right, here we are just sitting in a Deutsche Hofraum. My
1: dad and Erica kept their masks on during this conversation.
0: On November 5th. Yes. There was a notation said. Okay, what did it say?
1: A long time ago, I made a calendar for my family, and I listed all the important dates in our family's history. (laughs) Okay, what did it say, Dad?
0: It said that at kindergarten, at five years of age, Erica decided that she wanted Jimmy Carter to win, that she was trying to influence her class. (laughs) when you decided to do your Fulbright you decided to do it in Vienna and to look at what gender issues were involved in terms of the I'm housing so
2: impressed uh, that you remember Oh
0: I do I do you know, no, 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 no 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 right Well because I remember you when you were 5 years old you talked about pushing for Jimmy Carter I said to myself then this is what this child is going to do She's going to be working for political change with the justice issues. You may not have understood them, but you had decided internally in your own heart that's what you wanted to be.
2: And isn't it interesting that one of the things that Jimmy Carter has dedicated his post-presidency to was housing. Is housing. Absolutely. It's full circle. And and you and Jimmy Carter are the same age, Dad. Yes, we are.
0: We are the same age. And look at you, both of you. <laughs> Remarkable.
2: Remarkable. Do you remember your first election, Dad?
0: Sure I do. Around the corner, on my street, this was First Avenue and 80th Street. Suddenly, in the middle of the street, there was all this old furniture just being thrown in one big pile. And then suddenly, it was lit. And we had a big bonfire.
2: Was that when Roosevelt that was
0: when elected? Roosevelt was oh. elected. We, that was as, okay. as exciting as, as this day.
2: When you were Ben's age, Ben's seven. About the
0: same time at that age, my dad, he had to work the whole week. I never saw him in the week, and I only saw him when he came home from work and I was ready to go off to school, and he was going to bed. Then on Saturday, he walked me across to Central Park. It was almost like he was giving me a message. And that message was, I want you to see how people are living in Central Park. I didn't see an image of this kind of living until I got to the Philippines, when I saw all the squatters. I tied those two experiences together, the Hoovervilles of 1932, and the squatter shacks of the 1950s and 60s in the Philippines.
1: Our family spent 15 years in the Philippines where my parents were mission workers. Erica was born there just before we returned to the United States. My mom did Christian education and published three songbooks that incorporated Filipino music. My dad focused on the social changes taking place in the urban areas and in the industrialization process. As a fraternal worker, his role was to work cooperatively with the leaders of the churches in the Philippines.
0: one of my commitments to go overseas after we successfully built a church in Buffalo was how can I be in a place where we might influence even developing governments to think about the poor in their own midst and I saw that almost immediately when I got to the Philippines because people moving in from the rural areas were gathered all down by the docks And they had built up shacks, 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 even worse than the shacks I saw in the Hoovervilles in Central Park in New York City. I looked at them and I said, will they have a chance to make it out of this? Will they have a chance?
1: My dad wrote extensively about his observations. Many of his writings are posted on his website, richardpothig.com.
2: So dad, I often say the apple does not fall far from the tree. And um, just as your father brought you to see the Hoovervilles in, in Central Park and gave you a perspective on the pain that was being wrought during the depression, you really opened my eyes and inspired me to work in my career to you know, really get at the root causes of poverty and, and understand that housing conditions can both be a platform for the kinds of educational and economic mobility that you just mentioned, but poor conditions can also wreak havoc on your life. Evictions can be so destabilizing.
1: My father continued his work on the south side of Chicago, where he helped to establish an organization that employed one of this country's most famous community organizers.
0: And then, even when I came back to the United States, we were engaged in dealing with the problems of plant shutdowns. First in Ohio, the closing in, in, in Youngstown, and then down in South Side, when Wisconsin Steel shut down, Tom Joyce and I went down to the South Side, uh, there was a Catholic priest man, and he was with us. and he said, "We're going to try and create an organization. We created an organization." And it was to this organization that Barack Obama was called.
2: Yes, I know. The <laughs> first chapter of a whole book, Rising Star, was based on your notes, Dad, right, right. your meticulous files, your unbelievable detailed memory of history.
0: That history influenced my life, and I believe it influenced the life of my children. In one lifetime, I have children, especially one. She gets appointed, put together a transition team in the Biden government to make housing policy for the United States. I said, how can that happen in one lifetime? (laughs) This is America. This is how it happens in America.
1: I believe that one of the reasons my dad is so moved about Erica's appointment to the Biden team is because he knows the thread that connects the past to the present and the future is more like a lifeline. He's grasping at it, as we all are, to get out of these roiling waters to the safety of the dry deck. The future isn't just in the Biden team's hands, though we Pothigs know personally how good those hands are. My dad would say, it's in all our hands. The music in this podcast is Taudela, The Crisper, Burrow, and An Unknown Visitor by Blue Dot Sessions, it's published under the Creative Commons license; Attribution noncommercial.